Welcome to the SEO Insider with your host, Seth Price, founder of Blue Shark, taking you inside the world of legal marketing and all things digital. Welcome, everybody. We're thrilled to have Alan Blayweiss here, one of my favorite people in the SEO space, an audit professional who's been at it for years. Welcome, Alan. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. You know, you've been in this business for a minute. And I'd love to hear from you, just big picture. What are some of the things and trends that you have seen? Because you've been looking at websites as, as a third-party consultant for a long time and curious to see what you're seeing now compared to what you used to see when people bring you their websites and say, hey, this is what I got. What do you think? Yeah, so having been doing, been involved with SEO for 21 years now, uh, I think the biggest challenge that's different over the years is people still believe that they don't need to take the time to understand what usability really means. That's the biggest consistent issue over all the years that I've been involved. What does that mean to you? What does usability mean? It's content organization. It's being able to find the information people are looking for in an intuitive manner uh, and uh, understanding that usability bridges humans and the search engines because well, the search engines are users of the content, right? Exactly. Isn't that, isn't that like, sort of look, if we're doing our jobs right as SEOs, the question is, can we have something that the bot can read as well as the human? And when you do that, that's the home run, right? Yeah. That's the combination is, is understanding that they're both users. Right. Uh, and, and that's the thing that's been most consistent over all these years uh, is the failure to understand that reality that you need to meet both of those needs. Uh, what's changed, uh, obviously, is uh, the fact that technology has come a long way, yet people who build websites continually try to add more tech function at the code level or in terms of bells and whistles, features, yeah, plugins. plugins, right? Uh and, and they overload, they overwhelm the website now more than ever. Back in the day, it used to be, well, a web designer would create a, a, a visual design on their really high-end system at their office uh, with their really large monitors, right? And they had direct access to the website, so it loaded fast. Uh, and, and so the page speed... Issues back then were purely from a design issue visually. That still persists, yet now it's code bloat. Now, it, it, over the years, code has gotten more and more bloated. And, and, and it's just made things even more of a challenge to address from a page speed, from a page load perspective. And, and then the failure to cross-browser test, which is also old school issues. Right. Well, but that, that's sort of that was gonna be my next question and follow up to bring you down this path, which is historically we sit with our team around monitors in an office. We, we have Zooms we're on, we're in front of a computer. But 
given when we first started meeting, it was less than 50% mobile, uh, you know, uh, breakthrough. We're now well beyond 50% to the point where desktops don't matter for certain sectors, meaning I'm overstating it, but not by a lot. You know, the world, the, the audit of yesterday where you cared about, you know, pure desktop, you know, I, I encourage our clients and, and when I speak, you know, there should be uh, an Android and iPhone out. If you really care about usability, it's one thing. Who cares if it's working on the desktop? It's got to work across platform, as you just alluded to. Talk to me a little bit as, as an auditor, how you sort of help people figure out that, it, you know, what may seem great when you're sitting in a board meeting isn't necessarily going to pass mustard to the public. Yeah, so, so the first rule for me is uh, my speed tests are all based on 3G speeds, okay? And, 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 and that's another issue, right? So 3G, what are you talking about? We're in 5G world. No, no, we're not, not everybody. Okay, well, first of all, we're not in 5G because here in the U.S., even compared to Europe, the, the data is out that 5G in the U.S., is a fraction of the speed of 5G in Europe, okay? That's the first issue. The next issue is 5G is only deployed to pockets across the country, all right? You got the whole rest of the country that's, not, not, that's still on 4G, and even when 5G is deployed in a pocket, they're very small pockets compared to entire cities, as an example, from a city perspective, Right? Yet when 4G is the standard or 4G LTE is the standard, the truth is that the, the more remote the person is or the further away they are from cell towers, the more likely that's only going to be one or two bars on 4G. So it's not full 4G throughput, right? Uh, and uh, quite often in congested areas, it degrades to 3G even to this day, Okay. Uh, then we look at the fact that cable, oh my God, cable is the big thing. Well, fiber is the biggest thing right now, but not everybody can afford fiber and not everybody has fiber. So people who have cable connections, if you're in a building with a hundred office offices, well, now that COVID is, right? It, it, it's smoking <laughs> fast right now. Yeah. Well, it's smoking fast right now, but th that's about to change as people come back into offices um, and in apartment buildings, it's not smoking fast right now, no. because if you're, if you're sharing one cable connection with 100 other apartment units, yeah. you're not getting full. So it's like Saturday night on Netflix is now your work day at 11 a.m. trying to do a Zoom. Right. Absolutely. Right. So so testing on 3G is still the standard uh, for that reason. And Google to this day uses the 3G threshold. Right. So I see I see web developers saying, oh, we tested in our sites really fast. And I said, OK, show me the reports. And they're using the right tools, but they're testing them under cable conditions, which is an artificial connection. Right. So that's the first thing. Then I cross browser test certain things. Main site navigation is often done in JavaScript and it'll work when you have JavaScript on, but it won't when you have JavaScript off. That's okay from an SEO perspective if the actual navigation code is in the DOM, is in the is in the 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 referrer source. But quite often, it's it's uh, 
client-side serve JavaScript that happens on the fly when you go to a page. And if that's the case, the search engines can't see that JavaScript navigation, right? So it's testing certain elements under certain conditions in different environments. Um, you know, you've looked under the hood probably at more websites than just about anybody in the space up there. Yeah. You talked at the beginning a little bit, but if you could give me the top three to five things, what are some of the things like I, whenever I hire a consultant, I've used you over the years, use a lot of consultants. You, what I hate is when I go in and the obvious stuff is there because you want to earn your money tweaking. If there's obvious stuff, they don't need a, a legend like yourself to do it. It's great that they hire you, but like you'd like to be able to get to the point where the easy stuff is taken care of and you can fine tune it to the next level. What are some of the easiest fixes that or biggest mistakes that you see generally across the board that you should be getting before you worry about like, hey, let me get somebody to audit this to get the fine tooth comb. What are some of the biggest things that somebody should sort of hit before they turn to 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 make sure that they're not, I don't say wasting your time, but that they're not doing the stuff that's like super obvious and then you can get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. So they're super obvious and it depends on who that's super obvious to. Okay. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. That's super obvious to you where you're like, you know, before somebody comes to me, check these yeah. three things because these are major low hanging fruit and I'll get the rest of the stuff for you. Yeah. When I go to your main services pages, if I only see one page for a highly competitive service, that's a problem. You've got if you've got answers buried 35 pages down in your blog that are evergreen. That's a problem. That's a big ticket item that to somebody who understands the concepts is really obvious, all right? Don't hide your content. Make it much more effortless to discover and tie that in navigationally. Not where you have 5,000 links in your main navigation, but where you have section-level navigation, okay? That's number one most obvious, biggest problem that I see that shouldn't require hiring an auditor to understand, right? Uh, the, the number two is don't make me scroll 17 times to, for me to realize after the 17th scroll, something that's really important to me is actually available on that one page. So have a table of contents if it's in a long page. Okay. Again, this is navigational access, right? I'm, so, I'm noticing uh, a theme here. Yeah, no theme. Yeah, this is this is a theme, right? Right. The whole everything you've talked about, it's a theme, which is get me the information I want quickly. Don't make me work for it. Don't make the bot work for it. Right. And it goes back to usability from the human perspective. Am I overwhelming the person coming to this page or am I not giving them enough information on this page? And that's going to vary page to page, type topic to topic, right? These are all usable usability issues for people and SEO. Those are the first thing, three things that come to mind after we get past the whole speed thing and code bloat and the rest of that. Yeah. And look, as somebody who focuses uh, heavily on legal and other very competitive spaces, you know, these ideas that somebody comes with a site that has one page of content on a topic, that's fine, but you're not going to beat the guy that has a library of content on it. Uh, so points well taken. Yeah. Uh, we have some major changes coming up with uh, Google 
They've delayed them. I mean, we've been following it as, as professionals, but clearly it's been a clunky rollout. They're nervous about people being able to talk to our audience a little bit about where, what you perceive, you know, what is, what is Google saying and what will be the reality over the next few months for this quality rollout? They're just refining the usability perspective from their ability to evaluate what usability means under a narrow set of circumstances. Understood. So let's dive deep into this a little bit more from the point, again, you're, you're looking at all these different websites. You've been following them. There's always usability issues. You've been talking about that for the length of time we've been talking. What are, let's then let me refine it. Given that it's an hour, what are the things that you see the, give me two to three, four areas that you think that, you know, again, we need to wait till we can use their, their test and, and have it show us that things are good. But what are you, as you're watching people and they're trying to get, you know, going through the scramble to make sure everything is good, hopefully they've been doing these practices for a long time. What are the things finitely that you say, hey, these are the things you need to hit if you want to be able to comply as Google actually makes this an official thing? I say that at this moment, we don't know the specific impact, right, yet that these latest changes, the core web vitals you, and the page experience changes are going to have with enough clarity because they continue to refine and, and understood and not right. knowing what's going to be the most important and what's the least important, but you know what they want, whether how they're going to, yeah. how the algorithm is going to evaluate yeah. is different. Talk to our audience a little bit what you see the two or three most important things that people should be allocating their time and attention towards. Yeah, it's it's the same core issues that have been related to page speed as the primary considerations going back to when they first started implementing speed as an evaluation back in 2010, 2011. So for example, the overall load time, and you can't just look at your 30-day Google average in Google Analytics for page speeds, because if, especially for smaller sites, a lot I see this a lot with legal sites. They don't give you the data for every page every day, right? So you need to go into an individual page, look at your most important pages, and look at the 60 or 90-day cycle for individual day spikes in speed delays. And use tools like webpagetest.org, again, under 3G testing conditions. And the page details report will start pointing out consistent flaws with your speeds. Quite often, you have server delays because law firms are not willing to spend $500 or $1,000 a month in, in hosting, so they get the cheapest hosting. And what ends up happening is if you have server delays that are intermittently crisis level, those are directly going to negatively impact the upcoming Core Web Vitals data more often than not. You don't even have to wait for these new reports to start showing up in their impact to be able to look at this and get and be proactive. And the truth is, I don't believe it's proactive at this point anymore either. I believe the reason that Google delayed the rollout of the update going live with it is because they needed to accumulate a full month's worth of data to start assigning outcome understanding. So the data they're collecting now and for the next weeks is going to impact in June when they roll, when they go live. 
So basically, you think that it's not they've they've rolled it out. You just don't know it yet. It hasn't been effectuated, but they're using this data to to update when the updates happen. They they had they had to finalize what they think in this first version of what are the numbers? How do we measure them? They only just recently made another you know uh, changes to some of the core web vitals testing methods and what they look for right so they're still they were still refining up until just really recently but now that they've locked that first version in it's my belief as i've seen in previous algorithm examples they're currently accumulating the data that's going to be implemented in the algorithmic change that's my belief based on past experience and based on that and based on what you assume to be there what would you advise people to, if they needed to prioritize right now, what would your, what would your priority list be? Because what you're saying is it's not coming. It's here. You just haven't seen the effect of it, that, they, that they're actually getting the data. So what you have right now is what's going to affect when, there's it, when they do one of these sweeping changes and wake up one morning and say, hey, I'm not in the same position. What are the, what are the top few things based on your experience, based on what you assume is going to happen, that if you were to be playing sort of priority man for an in-house team or for an agency, where do you put your smart time and money right now? The same place I've been putting it when it comes to page speed all along, and that's related to your server speeds. And don't just look at the overall, look at daily spikes. If I see one day out of a, a two-week period where there's a really slow page speed number for different pages that I test and it's server-related, I want to address that now, right? And the other thing is get your page code sequence in order. Don't, don't have 40 processes before rendering starts, okay? My threshold is no more than 10 processes maximum before rendering starts and that's only going to be valid if your server speeds aren't delaying any of those processes those are the two big things to focus on they always have been they're going to be that much more impactful now and in the future everything else is just granular things to look at there's other causes of potential delays too many processes overall too many scripts running right you know images are too bloated but those, if you address your server issues and use intermittent server issues as a red flag, that those need to be eliminated and get your render sequence much more refined, everything else is going to be improved as a result of that. You know, in our remaining time, I know we, we look, this is the headline, right? For what you do, user experience, we have this, uh, you know, we have this major update uh, uh, on its way. What, I'm going to take you for a second. Put that aside. We read about this every day in the trade, you know, online. What are the things outside of this update that you think people should be focusing on beyond this? What are, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, usability. You talked about some low hanging fruit like page. What are the other things that you think that people should be focused on that this particular update may not be hitting, but you think is a potential opportunity for SEOs to improve or in-house people to improve their site's performance? I, I pretty much covered the core issues outside of this. When I talked about don't just have one page, and if you have more than one page, don't have 95% of the content buried deep in your blog, bring it out of that, right? Those are the biggest issues that get the biggest value long-term 
from an on-site perspective, okay? Going beyond that, it's going to be case by case, site by site, industry by industry, you know, geographic by geographic. There's going to be refinements where you're going to start after all of that is evaluated properly and you come up with a plan. That Everything that we've talked about so far is typically a 30, 60, 90, or 120-day review, I mean, refinement and improvement cycle just to fix that stuff, right? So all of a sudden, we're three or four months into it. Going beyond that, then we can start looking at the more granular things that are directly unique to those competitive issues that you face compared to somebody else or some other website, right? And and that, that, that could be a whole host of other issues. Talk to our audience. How can they best get a hold of you? Uh, best get a hold of me, Alan, at, at Alan Blywise, A-L-A-N-B-L-E-I-W-E-I-S-S on Twitter or my website, alanblywise.com. Well, Alan, I, I've learned a lot speaking to you, seeing your audits over the years. Uh, I'm bummed that we have not had our in-persons of late, but uh, hoping uh, my fingers across PubCon uh, that the that the uh, that the Vegas show schedule will allow for uh, a couple days for uh, for PubCon to pop in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to the circuit again. To get and and for me, it's primarily for the networking opportunities, right? Uh, and 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 just being having that aspect of humanity re- restored to whatever degree we can. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had any time together, Seth. I greatly appreciate this opportunity today, and I look forward to getting together again face to face. Absolutely, it's great following you on social, but it, it's uh, you know we need to be able to break bread. So thanks so much, and uh, hopefully catch up real soon. Be well. Thank you for tuning in to the SEO Insider with Seth Price. Be sure to check back next week for fresh insights into building your brand's online presence. Episodes are available to stream directly on Blue Shark Digital's website.